Well, the first reading is an indictment of how bad you are as a son or a daughter. Welcome to the Feast of the Holy Family. With an opening like that, you know it's going to be a strong one today. I'm already putting you down, opening line, and you're already just fighting back from that. But honestly, that's what we do when we look at the Holy Family, right? Like we see the exemplar, the, the, not just an example. Exemplar means the one example for which you shoot the mold that was made from which every other carbon copy is cast the goal that you are searching for or shooting for or whatever the, the phrase is that's what exemplar means so not only are they the family they are the holy family for which we will never have another equal and that's okay we don't need another equal we don't need our families to be as good as theirs what we need is to get to the natural baseline of neutral before we can attempt to even emulate the Holy Family. What do I mean by that? Okay, so think about families in society today, right? Like a lot of the times, thank God, they're good. We've got mother, father, kids, it's happy. Maybe there are some grandparents, some extended family thrown in the mix nearby, maybe within 50 miles. That's a good looking family, right? How many families actually look like that? How many families haven't been ravaged by divorce, underage pregnancy, financial problems, drug problems, alcohol problems, financial crisis problems? So a lot of our families, before they can even look to the Holy Family and say, how perfect can we be? Need to first look out of whatever hole they have found themselves in. Maybe they started behind the eight ball. Maybe someone's parent was addicted to a substance and then that meant the child was abused and left for foster care or whatever the, the horrible beginning is. I'm saying a lot of people start from way behind the starting block. And that's the state that a lot of our families are in. Because those people who haven't been given a fair chance start broken families. And those broken families make broken kids. And those broken kids grow up to make more broken families. So we can talk about what the ideal holy family is, but so much of the time, the families that we encounter today aren't anywhere near neutral to be able to start looking at how to be better. They're so far from neutral in negative circumstances that they can't even begin to think about virtue over vice. Because right now, they're worried about paying their electrical bill. Right now, they're worried about putting food on their table at Christmas. Right now, they have so many other things that they are dealing with that the Feast of the Holy Family is quite insignificant. It's like, well, that's nice. There was a family 2,000 years ago, and they seemed pretty cool. That doesn't affect me now. And to an extent, they are correct. To an extent. If this was any other family, if this was any other feast that we merely celebrated a birthday about, if this was any other circumstance where someone was born into the world who would change the course of history, yes, it would be a big deal, but if that person was just a man and they were just a family and they lived 2,000 years ago, not very impactful for today. But what is it that we have in the Feast of the Holy Family? We have, first, our redemption at hand brought about through imperfect people. Now nah, I can't say that. Through an imperfect person. Mary was perfect. Joseph was not. 
But through these two humans who were fully capable of sin, just because Mary was perfect doesn't mean that she was incapable of sin. But through these two humans, their faith in God and their willingness to accept God's plan brought about salvation. And it brought it about in the phrase that we call the fullness of time. At that moment in time, 2,000 years ago, when God reached down and placed his son into our world, at that moment, that family from 2,000 years ago became unlike any other family in existence or that will ever exist again. Because at that moment, salvation had now come through imperfect or people who were possibly or had the chance to be imperfect. God's perfect will was done. And so for that, that we rejoice. That humanity was able to aid in divinity. And yes, we absolutely look to the Holy Family for a perfect example of how it is that we should act. And if, thank God, our families are doing okay to the point where we're like, hey, maybe we can all focus on virtue for a little bit instead of backbiting in our own egos, then wonderful. May your family be blessed this Christmas season by that. If we are still fighting to just get air, it seems, in life, if we have family members, children or grandchildren, or cousins, nieces, nephews, anyone who we consider our family, either biological or chosen, if we have those people that are still not having their needs met so they can't even begin to hear about a gospel, then we aren't doing our job as Christians. Right? If we haven't reached out to others, especially in the Christmas season, when we are focused on giving out of love and not have to, if we aren't looking to those people in our own family who could use help, then we haven't really embraced the gospel. Now, that being said, not all of our families are perfect, and I think you know that. As I said, a lot of them start behind the eight ball, so let me be very clear about one thing. The church never ever wants us to endure abuse or any other, any other um, not healthy relationship, even if someone is our family member, okay? The church absolutely supports people doing what is healthy for their own safety and the safety of those that they are in charge of. So, I don't know if there's a, a common misperception. It seems to be among my generation, people think, oh, well, the church just wants you to stay married no matter how unhappy it is. The church wants you to honor your mother and father no matter how terrible they are. No, no. If you have a good family, if you're starting at neutral and trying for virtue, then yes, the church absolutely wants you to curb your own ego and be better with your family members. But if you have unhealthy family members, the church absolutely wants you to pray for them in the category that Jesus talked about when he said, pray for your enemies. Because sometimes the people we live with, or sorry, sometimes the people in our family haven't embraced the gospel either. So while it can be very, I don't know, feast on top of feast, right? Like we just had Christmas and now we're asking you to come back and celebrate again. We do so with the focus on the Holy Family today. As I said, knowing that through imperfect or the possibility of imperfect humanity, divinity's perfect will had come into the world and is still here today and wants to be with us until that time that the Lord comes back for his second coming. Just another mention about the Holy Family and one thing that I think is very present in this gospel. 
um, we have to balance everything, right? Our joys and our sorrows. And I think it's important to look at the Holy Family for what they are. Because what they are is an example of what to do when things go wrong. Think about all of the, whole, the stories that we have of the, the Holy Family. The first one starts with an unwed mother and an unexpected pregnancy. Not a great beginning. Okay, well then we have the nativity. That's happy for about five seconds before Mary and Joseph have to flee and take their infant into Egypt because some king is trying to kill him. So, just on that basis alone, the beginning of Jesus' life is fraught with not happy times. We continue when Jesus is presented in the temple when Mary is told that a sword will pierce her own heart. You know, then we have um, the losing, the finding of Jesus in the temple, which again I think should be named the losing of Jesus in the temple, because that's what happens. Now let this be a lesson to anyone who you know might have parents that are still in their charge. I'm looking at like you two only here because you're the only ones under the age of 17. So bear with me for a minute. But you can totally not tell your parents where you go as long as you're doing the corporal works of mercy. I mean, Jesus did it, right? Right? I'm kidding. That's not good parenting advice. Don't do that. But, but my point is that even though the Holy Family was perfect, right? Jesus, truly God, truly man. So he's perfect. Mary, sinless, perfect. Joseph, not sinless, but still a pretty great guy. If that perfect family could still endure all of the hardship and sorrow that we read about in the stories that are presented to us in the gospel and yet remain perfect... That is truly something that we can connect to because I don't have a perfect family and we do no sorrow. And so if we can unite our sorrows with the Holy Family, knowing that they suffered first, that even in perfect people, sorrow still happens, then we are emboldened, we are able to go on, we are able to see that no, no, the bad things that happen in my life are not a result of a punitive God trying to punish me. But rather, it's just sin in the world. It happens, and it affects us. And so bad things still happen, even though I might be perfect. Even if I'm the only one that thinks that. <laughs> so today we rejoice, we give thanks, and we come back to celebrate again, so close to the Feast of Christmas, for the Feast of the Holy Family. Knowing that Jesus perfectly chose his own family, and he has perfectly chosen every one of ours. Whether our role is as an integral part of that family, or whether it is merely as familial intercessor to get those other people to heaven, the Lord has placed us in our families. So we give him thanks for those families in all their various states, and we ask that he would continue to bring us through the Eucharist and through the other sacraments to heaven, where we might one day rejoice forever with our entire extended family, the body of Christ.